twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoy. I'm Danny Themester. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll look at how two-way radios have advanced during the last 10 years. We'll debate whether technology has really improved radio communications or just made it more complicated, and tell you how you can sort through the maze of features and functionality to find the radio that's the best fit for you. We'll also review the Midland HH54VP SANE Portable Emergency Alert Radio and take some of your questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by bytwowayradios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Bytwowayradios.com, your radio specialist. When you think of a walkie-talkie, what's the first image that comes to your mind? For me, it's the basic old-style radio that I remember as a kid with the hard plastic antenna and an on-off switch and a square push-to-talk button and not much else. You mashed the button down to talk, you released it to listen, and that was pretty much how a portable handheld radio worked. Now, yeah, that was a long time ago for me. Um, But even 10 years ago, with added features, functionality, and and the ability to program it from a PC, a two-way radio still performed most of its basic functions the same way it did 50 years ago. But times have changed. Technology has advanced, and it's changing the look, feel, and capabilities of the 21st century transceiver. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that that it's unquestionable that technology has come a long way, and the the radios that we have that are popular today are fairly different from radios that that we were selling 10 years ago. Um, Not only has the technology gotten better in the higher-end products, Mm -hmm. we see the lower-end and entry-level products having much more capability than um, they had in, in um, not too recent past. Now, we're not just talking about one uh, type of radio like ham or business radios. We're, we're, we're talking pretty much across the board. Things have changed a lot. And now that digital radios are becoming more integrated into the marketplace, um, I think we're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that digital is um, definitely coming fast even into the the low uh, entry level radio market and um, that does add quite a bit of complexity I, I think more so on the consumer side like um, with a, a lot of amateur radio users moving to digital I think um, for business digital radios have much more capability but I think the average radio user probably doesn't have to be as aware of it as they do on the consumer side but I mean, for example, even GMRS radios now are um, more 
uh, they're more difficult to use or, or have more capabilities for sure. Yeah, than, I mean uh, everything has a menu. <laughs> pretty everything much. has a menu for sure, and um, I don't know. I guess the question is: Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a very good question, and we're going to, to talk about that a little bit. Anthony, you've been programming radios for, for quite a while. When you first started programming radios, um, looking at some of the programming software back then, and, and, and of course, you know, things like the cables have changed and that sort of thing a little bit, but looking at when you first started and how you're programming radios now, have you seen a lot, I mean, a lot of changes in that respect? Do you think that's become more involved over the years especially with the the um, evolution of, of digital radios yes the you know a standard analog radio is plug some frequencies in and you know write it and it'll write in a matter of about four seconds digital radios mm -hmm. there's so many more features they're so they're like little computers so they take about a minute to write the radios you know they're firmware upgradable and 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 things like that so yeah it's 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 changed quite a bit and you not too long ago you wrote a whole code plug for a specific digital radio and that took you what about a week to yeah. to, to write the code plug for yeah that's it's it's, it's a different world from analog yeah, it is <laughs> especially Definitely. with digital because it has so many capabilities you know one-on-one -on -one calling um, certain groups, you know, different zones, um, text messaging. It's just so many, so many things that are um, involved with it. So, you mm -hmm. know, the, with the jump to digital. Well, let's take a brief look at just a quick comparison of a few uh, radios, just for an example. I mean, you know, I, I pulled up a Cobra CXT85. Uh, and I was comparing it to a CX-112, which is the current low-end Cobra GMRS, uh, FRS GMRS radio that's out there. And uh, there are a few differences when you look at the, the um, I mean, it's still a basic radio, still performs all the same basic features, but there are a few differences now. There are a few additions to it that, that the old radio did not have. Yeah, the, the biggest ones are the addition of the NOAA weather channels. Mm -hmm. um, which you used to have to buy a mid-range radio in the GMRS world to get weather channels. Um, now here it is in, in an entry-level radio for 25 bucks, um, and also a micro USB port, so you can charge the radio using a USB cable, which is a big deal. Yeah, that, that's, that's nice, and I think you're going to see that um, a lot more mm -hmm. in some of the lower end. I think Cobra is sort of unique in having that feature right now, especially in this low end of a product, but I think you're going to see more and more manufacturers doing that. Well, we've been talking for some time about the fact that manufacturers are starting to build uh, NOAA uh, channels and, and weather alerts into all of their radios, and, uh, I, and I think it's an important feature. I, I think it always has been, but when you're doing a comparison like that, you realize there's a lot more value to it now than than there was 10 years ago, but with that comes that trade-off where, okay, now I have to know how to configure the no weather channels for this radio. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it comes with a little bit of a trade-off. But do you really have to know how to configure? I mean, if you don't want the weather channels, it's not like they're in the way. That's kind of my point. That's true. I'm, I'm in favor of more technology um, in radios. I think that um, 
maybe it's just me, but the more they add, the better. I like it. <laughs> That's the same thing with cell phones. I mean, I've got an iPhone. You're an Android guy, Danny, and yeah. and, and I think you're an Android, Android guy. Android, yeah. I mean, it's whenever I go to buy a cell phone, they're like, "Oh, well, this can do this and do this and do this and do this." And I'm like, I just need something to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever but, happened to the simple? But there comes dial times the where there's something i'll think of something and i'll go oh wait the guy told me i could do this with my phone and and i end up using it I mean, i'm sure there's a hundred things on my phone that i don't use um that it's capable of um and we see that a lot with some of these you know one that comes to mind the gxt 1000s mm-hmm. before they changed it they used to have a group mode where you could call individual users right it was a pain yeah. in the butt to set up Nobody ever used it. It's almost like they just added that so they could have it listed on a, a spec sheet or something. That's right. To I give mean, them an advantage. Because actually using it was was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. And now they've done away with it. It's no longer in the GXT 1000s, the, the, the newer released ones. Um, but, I mean, people are all about bells and whistles. and Yeah. And it makes you feel good to know that you're, you know – and we see it with everything everything's always got probably more stuff in it than we're going to use um i mean look what happened when when um uh, garmin first started introducing gps capability into a two-way radio and they've got the two-way radios now i don't know that they're really that that popular because i i don't really see that many of them um out there but the fact that you can have a two-way radio, a, a GMRS radio that uh, that has built-in GPS capability is, um, you know, that's impressive. It is, and and there's definitely a place for that. I mean, if you're camping or you're, um, if you really need that functionality, that's mm-hmm. it's great to have that option. I think. Now, I don't know yeah. if something like that you're going to find in a twenty-five dollar radio in in the future, but. I don't think so. I mean, you that's, know what? If that's Cobra, not a cheap radio. <laughs> if Cobra puts that in their next round of uh, GMRS radios, I'll be happy to see it. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Well, the Garmin's are definitely pricey. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. not. I think they're you know, 300 bucks or so yeah, uh, they're, typically. They're not cheap. But, um, you know, having said that, I mean, business radios, I, I don't know if we really want to get into Because bu- business radios have always um, had a, a measure of... Uh, features and functionality kind of depends on what radio you buy and mm-hmm. and uh, what what you need it to do. But but even then, it comes. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier, where um, you have some business radios that just have so many features. Uh, and I think your I think your argument was that well, for business users, it's a little bit different. Right, right, right. I think we um, came down on different sides on this. For me, I kind of feel like in the world of business. The average radio user, the the 90% of, of people who are using a business radio are just going to push the button and talk and then maybe use some basic functionality like changing the channel or something. And I think that's not really going to change regardless of how much technology you put in the radio. Now, there are going to be power users uh, of business radios. There are going to be some companies who want to do all their own programming and implement one-to-one calling or for the most part, but um, for the most part, I think that you know the warehouse that's using radios, the employees that are talking from one to the other are going to 
pick up the radio, push the button, and talk. They don't care about one-to-one calling. They don't care about waterproofing or nice screens or touch screens. I think that they're going to use the same the radio the same way um, someone in the same job would have used a two-way radio 25 years ago. But see, my argument was a caveat to that. And, and I want to bounce this off you, Anthony, because um, you know I agree with Danny to a point that for business users, a lot of them, you know, they're just going to program them or have them programmed, uh, say by us, uh, and and then put them out in the field for their users just to push the button to talk. But some of these uh, companies are going to buy radios based on certain features that they're going to need, you know, in their business. And with that, it's going to come the caveat that they're going to have to train their users on how to use those features. If they're going to spend all that money to buy the radio with that feature, they're going to have to put the time and expense into training the employees how to use it. And um, and I think that's going to come with a learning curve. And, and there are going to be some people that are saying, like, well, this is complicated. you know. Um, well, they don't want I, – I, one big question I get a lot is, like, on the ICOMs, the 4011s. No screen, no buttons on the front. It's got a push to talk and two side buttons. People always go, well, what, what can I program these side buttons to? Mm-hmm. And I go, well, you just told me you've got, uh, you know, 10 employees in a warehouse. Don't program them to anything. And they go, well, if they're there, I want them programmed to something. I said, well, yeah. if you want that, that's fine. But I usually leave them blank because people, employees get bored. They like to press buttons, and then they're calling me going, my radio's not working properly. And then they want to send all 10 radios back to be reprogrammed and have it removed. And, um, you know, the, uh, most people don't want scan. They don't want, uh, you know, Superlock was the big one that they finally took off the push <laughs> the side right. piece for Kenwood. I was going to mention Superlock. Because <laughs> um, that was our biggest uh, biggest um, troubleshooting call ever. Um you know, people usually just want um, two-way communication. Some they, of those things can get you in trouble they more can. than they can help, for sure. They can. I That's mean, somebody gets stuck in scan mode, point. they're not going to hear what uh, necessarily what's coming across. Or And they're not radio experts. They don't deal with these products every day. They don't know what's going on with the radio. They don't identify that it's in scan mode. So they, they call us, and we go, oh, we'll turn off scan mode, and next time you order radios, have us remove that, or don't ask us to put scan mode on the radios. See, that's an excellent point. You can have a radio with so many bells and whistles on it, that you put it in the wrong hands, or in the hands of somebody who just really doesn't know what they're doing, or, or maybe just isn't trained to really operate the radio properly, and they start pressing buttons, and before you know it, they just totally taking themselves offline. We see it all. The, I mean, and, we see it a couple times a week where we're getting calls like that. So, you know, unless somebody asks for it or or and through our talking with them, you know, a manager maybe wants scan only on his. So we'll program his or her radio to be scan only. You know, to scan and the others where there's no, you know, button on the side because, like I said, people like to press buttons. They see it and they go, oh, "What's this do?" It's, you yeah. know, or 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 accidentally gets bumped uh, you know if it's i've seen that before where somebody wears it on their belt you know and they hit something it'll it could turn the radio into scan or make it go all wackadoo and and then we're getting a call yeah it's, it's a source of instant panic and frustration because oh my radio quit working you know oh that's usually that's, that's usually that's, how the phone call starts is with frustration and panic yeah that 
we sold them junk or their radios are broken or and it's usually not the case usually they've hit something that's um that didn't need to be hit see i think that's more of an argument for having the radio set up properly out of the gate more so than not including this technology in the radio i think that if if you had a radio that doesn't have the ability to scan i think that's a bad thing i think putting a scan feature in every radio and activating it without training people of what it does is bad too but then again um, maybe what is needed also is a feature that uh, allows you to lock that 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 specific feature out that can cause some confusion so that people aren't inadvertently you know uh, doing something that can can throw things off you know, one other thing that, that could happen, maybe a nice feature some of these radio companies could add is um, maybe adding user-friendliness to the radios. Maybe if mm-hmm. someone presses the scan button, it should say scan mode activated when it initiates scan mode, and then people would be aware. I think that would well, be A lot helpful. of times they got the LED that'll flash or something, you know, that... Uh, yeah, there are indicators. There's indicators, but yeah, that would but be nice. Then you nice. get... Why is my LED flashing? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My point exactly. You're going to have the indicators, and then you're going to have people that are saying, I don't understand what this is telling me. Yeah. And some of the new technology and, is voice prompts. I mean, now we, yeah. it's, it's pretty common to hear channel announce when you're changing from one channel to another. Um, or even in, in some of the amateur products, as you're going through the menu, you'll have a voice uh, announcing what menu prompt you're on. <laughs> as long as it's in English. <laughs> Yeah, it's not you. <laughs> well, that's you another that's another topic entirely. Um, you know, the third example that I had here was with the CB radios, um, and, and we're going across the board with this. CB radios are another prime example. I can remember twenty years ago. You know, CB radios, another thing where you kind of push the button to talk. Now there were a lot of dials and buttons on you know on the radio that you could. Uh, used to to tweak things up as as you needed if you knew what you were doing, mm-hmm. but for the most part it was it was pretty much a set it up and talk and listen you know transmit and receive. Now you have look at this the Cobra twenty nine LXBT. Look at some of the things it can do. I mean if you go through well, this the thing connects set, to your phone and you can uh, see phone calls and things like that on the screen, right? It's a fully digitized display. Puts out messages, four-color display that you can configure. Yeah, look at this text-to-speech. Text-to-speech conversion. That's that's pretty wild. And it has Bluetooth. It's a tech-savvy world we're in. Everybody's got a smartphone of some sort now. And... But with it comes a manual. But with it comes a manual that you you have to read through to figure out how do I do all this stuff, and uh, and then that's where the learning curve comes. I think in. Cobra did it did did it right with this though. I mean because CBs kind of went away for a while where nobody was. It used to be really really big. Everybody had yeah. a CB in their truck or their car or whatever. Then they kind of went away for a little bit, and 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 now they're making a huge comeback. Um, kids especially love CBs and their Jeeps and their big trucks and and things like that. So, you know, more than likely one of the it was smart by their part to make it you know better face and and Bluetooth compatible and connected to your cell phone and that that's what connects with the with and the kids. It's not that much more expensive than you know a basic CB radio. I mean, this is is yeah. what less than two hundred bucks, right? Yeah, it's 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 very economical considering everything that you get, and that brings up another point. 
is that with all this new technology, you know, you, you've added more features to the radios over the last 10 years or so. What's happened to the price? It actually hasn't gone up. If anything, it's stayed the same or even gone down. Um, that that uh, Cobra, that CXT85, um, I think it was uh, selling for, what, $24.99? And the, uh, the one that replaced it is a nickel less, and it has added functionality to it. Um, the VX160, we were looking at the uh, Vertex standard VX160. Mm -hmm. um, the 260, which replaced that, is actually selling for $20 less. So, uh, That's right. you know, the, the, the cost has gone down at the same time that the feature set has gone up. Now, having said that, uh, it, it comes back to the question of, all right, well, that's great, but are some of these radios becoming too complicated? I still say no. I, I look, look at this Cobra CB. If, if you don't, sure, if you want to connect your phone to it and use text-to-speech, you're probably going to need to sit down with the manual and spend some time with it. I think they had a certain age demographic in mind for this radio, though. I think your old-school CB guys are going to stick with the old analog sure, um, probably. dealings. Sure, yeah. probably. But you're, the guy that's used to the old analog CB can probably put this in his car yeah. and use it like he used that old CB and just ignore all of the cell phone connecting yeah, functionality. He might, you don't he, have to connect your cell phone to this radio. He or she might like the fact that you know, an old-school CB guy, might, well, it's got a cool display on it. It's, yeah. You know, it's not the traditional analog and never use the Bluetooth or the text-to-speech or the NOAA weather alerts or anything. Just use it for, you know, putting it on channel 19 and talking away. I mean, I don't know that you can remove all these features. I've, I've kind of from a software background, and in another life I was a software developer. And you here, when you're coming up with a new software product, management would a lot of times say that, you know, for this new product, 80% of your users only use 20% of the features. I've you hear that. that a lot. Yeah. And that's an, an argument a lot of times to, you know, just build a basic product with just 20% of the features and ship it and then add things later. The problem you run into is most of your users aren't using the same 20% of the features. They're using There's different, different 20% exactly. of the features. So you can't really just get rid of everything. You've got to have these, like, uh, DTMF and two-tone, five-tone, those type of things are used rarely, but some people need that. So you can't just remove it because it might overcomplicate it for some people. And then you get in the whole ham radio world with with the Chinese, you know, a lot of the Chinese radios that come out and, and you have uh, features on there that a lot of old school hams are just you know they they've got to get up to speed on and uh we get a lot of calls from hams mm -hmm. trying to figure out well how do i program this radio even from the keypad we're, we're not even talking about this software uh programming aspect of it we're talking about from the keypad itself it can be a little bit daunting and, and once again it comes back okay you know maybe it's Maybe these radios are becoming a little bit too complicated for some users. Yeah, I, I think when you're talking about amateur radio users, um, that's where you're going to see the biggest impact of, of this topic. Yeah. Um, someone that's been a ham for 50 years and is now trying to figure out digital, there's a learning curve there, 
And it's not something where you just pick up a radio and push the button. You've got to learn to program it. You've got to learn how the, the technology works. Um, so there's definitely a learning curve. And you're going to have probably a significant percentage of hams go, I'm just going to stick with analog or I'm not even going to move to digital because the learning curve is too great. But see, that's I think that's going to become more difficult as time goes on because, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, digital is has arrived. Digital is here to stay, and I predict that within the next 10 years, mm -hmm. and I don't think it's going to take that long, probably closer to five, uh, we're going to find that most of our radio communications is more digital than analog, and we're going to find digital radios everywhere, pretty much, and uh, I think that's really what's going to um, complicate things for a lot of people that aren't prepared for it. Until they come out with like a 4K <laughs> yeah. two-way communication. <laughs> yeah, until the next, next wave of technology comes out. but, but It'll be the Star Wars deal where you, the image <laughs> of them actually comes out of the little handheld thing and they're you know, on your desk. That'll, that'll be two-way communication. Now, say I'm waiting for that. I'd like to have one, but you know what? I don't think I'd want to be on the other end of a support call for something like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. I'm sure China's working on it as we speak. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, so that begs the question, um, with all of this digital technology that's that's um, making inroads and that's coming out to market, um, you know, for some people it's going to be, some people will embrace it, some, for some people it's going to be a bit much for them. And that, that really comes down to... Um, a discussion about you know how do you choose between simple functionality and enhanced features you know you know how do you really um, balance that well I don't think that you're gonna see things stop I think that like any other technology cell phones is a great example I mean 10 years ago the iPhone was just coming out and everybody was walking around with flip phones and maybe a Blackberry Ten years before that, we had to pull the antenna up uh, on, on the phone. <laughs> and look how far that's come. And it, it's like that with any type of technology. And two-way radios aren't any different. I think that it, the important thing is just to know how you're going to use the product and be sure that when you choose the product, you take those things into consideration. Um, you know, if you just need a radio to talk to your kid while you're camping, you're probably not going to want to get a Titera MD380. Yeah. It, what it comes down to, really, is a matter of just sitting down and deciding what your needs are and then choosing the right radio based pretty much on your specific needs. And then that kind of cuts out a lot of that frustration uh, because then you're saying, well, you know, if I don't need all these features... If only need to do this and this and this, or maybe just basic operation, um, then they can just choose a radio that that isn't quite so high end, that doesn't have so many of these features, and then they can avoid a lot of the uh, the the issues when it comes time to where they sit down and look at the manual and say, okay, how do I work this thing? Right, and if you're new to radios, of course, you can uh, anytime give us a call. We are pretty good at, at recommending a product that, that will meet your needs fairly well, and we're not going to try to sell you too much radio for what you're trying to do. Yeah, I've talked, so many, I've talked a lot of people out of 
you know, just to be honest with them, you know, you get somebody that'll, that'll call for, you know, they'll call and they'll go, well, I'm looking at the ICOM 4011. And then, um, I'm looking at the older, you know, this is a while back. I'm looking at the IC 4031. Well, the 4031 had a keypad and display and, and, you know, you find out what they're using and, well, I really like that display. And, you know, I'm like, well, let's think about sell it, it to you. you. It's, it's yeah. overkill. You it know, it's, it it's overkill if you're not going to use the DTMF keypad and you're not going to, and you're only using one channel, you don't need a display. Oh, you, right. you know, and, and, you know, you just saved yourself. Eighty dollars per radio. Oh, um, and a lot of grief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's figured out. We're usually pretty good at, at finding out a person's application and, and putting them on the right thing. Um, knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bottom line is, give us a call and we can help you. Uh, you know, help you sort through it all and and choose the right radio for you. Now, I I did post this question in the forums. And we did receive a number of responses. Uh, this was actually a, a pretty hot topic uh, with some people. And I have some, some comments on this, but I'll save them for the, uh, for the Q&A session coming up. And we'll, um, we'll look over and see what you think uh, about this question. Is there too much tech in two-way radios? Have they become too complicated? We'll find out what you think uh, coming up. Um, but in the meantime, uh, any other comments, any other thoughts on this? No? I think we got it. All right. Well, coming up, we'll review the Midland HH54VP SANE portable emergency alert radio. Is this just a simple weather radio receiver, or could it serve as a potential lifesaver? We'll find out next on the Two-Way Radio Show. Searching for two-way radios? Buy Two-Way Radios has what you need. Buy Two-Way Radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. Buy Two-Way Radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. Our products are stocked at our local warehouse. This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to the Two-Way Radio Show. And this week we're going to review a portable emergency alert radio with SANE technology from Midland, the HH54VP. It seems like every time you turn on the news now, we're always hearing about, and it doesn't matter what time of the year it is, some kind of devastation in some part of the United States with weather. You know, whether it be rain or tornadoes or, you know, 48 inches of snow falling or, or whatever the case is. It just seems like it's, um, it's something always out there um, all year long. Um, and we always see an increase on 
weather alert radios going out after the fact. You know, if a tornado in Oklahoma happens four days ago, all of a sudden we're seeing a bunch of weather radios being shipped to Oklahoma or places around there. Um, Which is kind of a normal reaction. You yeah. Know, everybody gets hit and, and with a disaster or hears about it and was like, oh, you know, i got to get a weather alert radio. But you know what? That's a good point. It seems like a lot of that happens after the the fact and not, you know, before. Yeah, it's like almost like, oh, okay, well, I've been broken into three times. Now let me go buy a gun. Yeah. You know, or, or you know, whatever. But, um, you know, we're seeing – I'm seeing a lot of individuals buy them. I'm seeing a lot of businesses buy them. I get a lot of banks that buy emergency radios and and schools and, and, and all sorts of, you know, just different applications. But um, – this one in particular today is I like this one. It's the HH fifty four from Midland, and it's about the size of a GMRS radio. You know, they've got. Uh, it the, looks a lot like a GMRS. It does. Yeah, it really it does. does. Um, and you know, we see a lot of people that are um, buying the tabletop ones and things like that. We send those to a lot of the banks. You know, they order. Uh, we got one that buys a lot of the tabletop ones, but this is good for on the go. Um, carrying in the car, taking camping, um, on the on a boat, you know, so many different applications for it. But it's it does a lot. Um, no, I actually gave my mom one of these uh, a year or so ago, and she loves it. She uh, has the base station set up in her kitchen, and she leaves the radio on. Um, and it's a ranch-style home, like the the kitchen where she's at, that part of the house she's at most of the time. But at night, her bedroom is on the other side of the house. Yep. So she pulls the radio out of the cradle, sits it on the nightstand at night. A base wouldn't work very well because she wouldn't be able to hear it. She couldn't That's count right. on it waking her up. But right. this one she can take back and forth. And she even takes it when they go on a road trip or something every now and then. This is really, I think, great for – especially for the elderly who, you know – somebody who really doesn't we were talking about earlier about how radios are just getting so complicated this is very simple you know it's not much to it i mean it's you know you pretty much program your same code in there right um but for the most part you pretty much set it and forget it and and it's there for you when you need it yeah and it's uh this the same technology is 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 awesome you know that's where it allows you to receive certain alerts and warnings for your particular area mm-hmm. um you know some of the other models you pick up everybody you know you pick up anybody that's within that um, range and maybe five counties over um you're picking it up but um it monitors tornadoes hurricanes um and that's what a traditional weather radio is going to do but this yeah. one will tell you you know civil emergencies and and earthquakes and and um like 47 hazards you know amber alerts it does a lot of different alerts and and advisories you know in this little uh in this little handheld portable radio it seems like everyone should have something like this around with them now you know they're building more of these type of apps and cell phones that will do stuff like this Mm -hmm. but you know what i have found that sometimes my cell phone will alert me to an amber alert or, or to a, a major storm warning after the fact or it doesn't come through on time and sometimes if i'm not in the cell uh, area if i'm outside um, uh, an area covered by my cell service i won't get it till later and i might not even get it at all this to me i think is more reliable 
absolutely i mean it's uh you know and for the price i mean this is a 33 dollar radio and that's that's a really good price even if you just um i've got some preppers that call in that buy these and, and you know buy a couple of them just to stick one in a go bag and um Oh, they're perfect um, for that, and, and and use it for um, if there's ever a catastrophe, they're they're going to be able to get their alerts and 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 be on top of it. Um, so, you know, thirty three bucks is uh, you know you can never put a price on your life or your safety, but thirty three bucks is pretty pretty cheap if you ask me. I'd say so. Also, if you enter the promo code show at checkout. Uh, you can save an additional 5% off your order when you right. order one of these from buy2aradios.com. Also, I should mention that um, at the time that we're recording this episode, we actually have a mail-in rebate going on now from Midland, a $15 mail-in rebate on the HH54VP, and uh, that is going on now until April 30th, 2016. So if you're hearing this episode before the April 30th deadline. And I'm just mentioning that because, um, yeah, you know what, any time you can save a little bit, if you're in that window. Hey, that's a lot. So that's a lot. Yeah. That's, that's half a, price, basically. Yeah. There's not many rebates out there that are that are 15 bucks. Usually you see $25 rebates on on Motorola business radios or Kenwood business, but you got to order six to qualify. That's so right. that's pretty good. It's yeah. a considerable savings. Um, but overall... You like this radio, Danny? You like this radio? I hey, I bought I it for this. my mom. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's. I'm a big Midland fan anyway. Out of all their, you know, I've always have been since I joined here, and it's a good product. And I think uh, I think every household should have one. And it's it says, um, you know, it's recommended by the Department of Homeland Security for emergency preparedness well there you go that's your seal of <laughs> approval right there, there um, you go. Um, can't go wrong with that that's true uh so any other thoughts on the uh hh54 vp no i think we covered it all right well we have some questions and comments from our blog and our forum at twoayradioforum.com uh first one comes from walt and he says uh looking for best two-way radio for cruise ship and bermuda area that's from walt He's looking for some advice on a radio for a cruise ship. Um, well, uh, we've done a podcast, Cruising with Radios, I believe. Yes, we um, did. Th- that would probably be a good episode for him to go back and listen to. I believe we also have a blog post um, on our website that talks in detail about uh, radios for uh, to use while cruising. Um, but. For the most part, the the summary is you need a higher-powered radio because it's hard to penetrate the, the steel of a boat if you want to be able to communicate throughout. So um, if a high-powered radio is a good good choice. Maybe something like the GXT-1000 if you're looking for a consumer-grade product um, or a higher-end Motorola or Uniden or Cobra. Um, but check out the other... I don't want to repeat a lot of stuff that we've said before, but uh, check out the blog post of the previous episode. Yeah, I think that was uh, episode 19 of the two-way radio show. Uh, it's called Cruising with Radios. Give that one a listen. We went uh, to a memory to, on to, We went in depth on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had to look it up. A hundred and plus episodes, and I'm forgetting which episode is which now. But uh, yeah, I looked it up. It's uh, it's episode 19. 
Um, we have also uh, a number of comments related to our topic this week uh, about our radios becoming too complicated. This uh, some interesting comments here. First of all, I'd like to read a, a Twitter comment. Uh, this one's from Erica. She said, more two-way radios need to have speech output like the Chinese Baofeng models, etc. In short, some are, yes, meaning some are complicated. But uh, she says that, that speech output is important to her. Now, I did a follow-up with her, and I asked her, what features would you consider least useful or would unnecessarily complicate the radios? And she came back and said, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, what I might think is probably completely upside down from what you'd think. Uh, anything with a touchscreen is a no-go for uh, the radios. And apparently she is vision impaired. So, and that makes perfect sense to me, really. And uh, I don't know that we've seen many radios come out that are touchscreen enabled, but you know what? You know, that might be the direction that uh, they're headed. I wouldn't be surprised. Have you heard anything about any uh, touchscreen? Garmin had their one. One of theirs touchscreen. The high end, like the five hundred dollar Garmin. You know, six fifty five T maybe. I, I don't know. That was. Touch I feel screen. like that was touchscreen, but I don't. Other than that, I can't think of any. Um, um, other than like, I think when we were at IWC a few years ago, they had the, they had a. Um, a radio that was touchscreen that they were gearing towards. It looked like a cell phone mm-hmm. that they were gearing towards the police. Remember, they had they were able to, you know, snap. Oh, I a, think I remember. They were that, able yeah. to snap a picture of a dead yeah. body and go here, figure out who this is, and they were able to That's scan right. fingerprints, you know, and, and and send them over to the to the lab or, or whatever. I mean, something you'd see on CSI. I don't think you're going to have it, and <laughs> you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot of push, uh, you know, touchscreens on lower end radios maybe one day i mean maybe but uh, you know but she does make a good point because that is something that that you know what you you might you might see something like that coming that might be around the corner with all the digital radios coming out uh you you just never know but in any case for someone who uh is is vision impaired or has vision issues uh the baofeng radios are popular uh for that reason that they uh do have voice prompts right and, and you can access important. the menu with direct key presses instead of having yeah. to scroll and and uh yeah the, the voice prompts are essential i would imagine now i have heard some people also say you know the voice prompts really annoy me they really don't but those are people that that don't have to rely on them uh for for a lot of people who are blind and uh you know who have vision issues um, that's a very, very important feature. Right. And it's something um, that can be turned off if it does annoy you. So it, it's true. one of those things that I don't think it's, I don't think there's a problem having that around. Not at all. No, I, I agree. I agree. Well, you know, some of the other comments that we received, uh, and we received a number in our forum, uh, Obed says, it is time-consuming to get a new radio and learn how to use it. In the early days of the newer features, it was a lot more complicated than it is now. You had to hand program all the features. With the advent of computer software for programming, it became a lot easier. There are several years that I stuck with one brand of radio because the programming procedure was similar from radio to radio, and it was frustrating when buying a different brand. When considering a new radio, I sometimes go with a lower level because lots of radios pack features that I do not need, and I own several radios that do things I will never use them for. And that's from Obed. And that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. 
See, I think that's a good example of technology making things better. When you you talk about the computerized programming software, it makes mm-hmm. it makes I think newer radios easier to transition from one brand to the other. Um, I agree, especially trying to program. If I had to program a Beofang, you know, by hand, it can be done. All the memory channels and things like that, it can be done. It takes forever. Yeah. You know, if you have one channel to program in it, fine. But if you've got any more <laughs> than two, <laughs> software is the way to go. I mean, you would be programming that radio for – it would take hours to, oh, yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah. And now with Chirp. Um, especially for the amateur community, there's this Chirp open source software. The same software will program many, many different radios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's as good as it gets right there. That's true. Well, Paul Ears says, I must admit I agree, but there's also one other factor to remember. The individuals using the radios. In business radios, sometimes getting people onto the right channel with a radio with just one knob is hard. And the newer radios with groups, calls, texting, calling lists, and such like make the radios less reliable. In the simpler days, you press the button and put out a call to everyone. Now the user has to have a greater understanding or they call the wrong person on the wrong talk group and don't get a reply. Uh, Amateur-wise, totally programmable radios do appear to be too complicated for some users. This is the sad bit. Maybe access to licenses is too quick and too easy so people don't have to study hard and are in effect just consumers with no real radio skills. Certainly some questions asked on forums are simply amazing. Some people with almost zero understanding. Really basic questions that suggest skill levels are simply not there for some people. They then get a complicated radio and can't program it. And he basically says, radios are not too complicated. They do what they do. The problem is they're too complicated for some people. And that's from Paul Ears. Well, you know, I think, especially in the amateur community, everybody's got to start somewhere. And everybody, when they first start out, they need to learn. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of that is asking what this guy might consider dumb questions on a forum or in a, a news group or something, but um, you know I don't mind that a whole lot. At least uh, it shows the community's growing and more and more people are, are coming to radio. That's true. Um, let's see. K6CPO says, Unfortunately, too many licensed amateurs, especially those that have been licensed for a long time, expect new hams to be conversant in all aspects of the hobby from the very beginning. The ham spirit of Elmering has gone out the window, and it leaves many new licensees floundering. A very large percentage of new hams never get on the air. We, as experienced hams, need to be proactive and welcome these people to the hobby with an accepting rather than disdainful attitude. And that's uh, from KC6PO. And I see where where he's coming from on that. That's what I was just trying to say, but he put it much more eloquently. And uh, John says, uh, uh, answering the question, are two-way radios becoming too complicated? He says, I do not believe so. Most two-way radio users won't ever see the complexities. Business users, public safety users, etc., have their radios programmed for them. The end user only has to select a channel, talk group, and operate. And that's kind of what we were talking about before. FRS and MERS users, with their approved equipment, only need to turn on the radios and talk. GMRS licensees, in some cases, have some commercial stuff that is legal to use. Uh, No front panel programming. A simple computer program is all that is required. An amateur operator is really the only person that legally is capable of full programming ability as an end user. Again, a computer makes the process easy. 
That being said, I think in some cases there are a lot of frivolous features in some radios. This is likely due to competition for who can put this or that feature into whatever radio. As an amateur operator, you need to be able to use your equipment properly. That's one of the responsibilities of getting a license, and that's from, from John. Once again, yeah, good points. I like that he mentioned the frivolous features, and we didn't really talk a whole lot about that, but you, you do see things like FM radio and a flashlight. Yeah, that, that the kind people of thing really that, need all of that. Yeah, it's not really yeah. communications related, but it, it's there to probably look. But there's a lot of people that, I got a lot of people that love the FM radio on there. Yeah, I I've used it, it myself, actually. But um, uh, I used it the other day, as a matter of fact. Of course, I spent a lot of time trying to turn the Now they could just figure out a way to play our podcast on these bail things, we would be set. <laughs> SD card in, uh, drive on the uh, bail things there so people go. can listen to our podcast. There you go. Listen up, Bofang. Let's do it. <laughs> Well, I guess that does it for our comments and questions this week. Send in your comments and questions from Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buy2wayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, blueberry.com, or stream it to your mobile device on Stitcher. Now, I also want to mention that as of... The 18th of uh, of April, you can also get the two-way radio show podcast from Google Play Music. It's now available on Google Play Music. So, if you're up on Google, you can you can get it from from there now. So we're pretty much everywhere at this point. As an Android guy, I'm happy to hear that. Okay. Well, before we go, any. Uh, <laughs> Well, I guess that uh, does it for our show this week. Before we go, any other final comments? Nope. All right. Well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening, and until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoy. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out. Out.